depression, anxiety, talk about it with me. Strange brain, same page, safe place, therapy is great, and this ain't the same, but we're crying behind sunglasses anyway. Crying behind sunglasses. Hey, 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 sunnies. Welcome back to Crying Behind Sunglasses. I'm Katie Dahl, and this is a mental health podcast for cool people. Welcome to my cozy little corner of the internet. And if you're new here, don't forget to follow or subscribe on whatever podcast app that you're listening on so that you can be sure not to miss out on those new episodes. And if you are coming back for seconds, you're coming back for thirds, whatever it is, thank you. I will take that as a huge compliment. So today's episode is all about, well, I hesitate to say all about, but a big portion of it is really about sleep, which is such a huge coincidence because I've been super stressed out lately. I've been trying to kind of get more busy with work and learning how to go back into an office after a year of work from home. Woof, that is tough. So I've been looking for different cures to my temporary insomnia, and I was really happy to talk to my guest today about these kinds of topics. I'm going to hit you with some quotes here, just for a little bit of inspo before we head into the interview. I love sleep. My life has the tendency to fall apart when I'm awake, you know? Ernest Hemingway. And another quote, you're afraid of imagination, and even more afraid of dreams, afraid of the responsibility that begins in dreams. But you have to sleep, and dreams are a part of sleep. When you're awake, you can suppress imagination, but you can't suppress dreams. Haruki Murakami. He's one of my favorite Japanese authors, and I really recommend that you check out his books if you like anything surrealist, you're looking for a little bit of an escape So before we dive into things, of course, a little disclaimer for anyone who might be new around here. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for therapy or medical advice. I am not a doctor. I am just someone who really cares about your mental health. So what are we talking about today? We cover chronic fatigue syndrome, what it's like to go into a sleep lab, Epstein-Barr virus, creating and being a part of immersive theater, the benefits of meditation and working out in your mental health journey. Today, I am talking to Katie Foley. Yes, there are other Katies out there and I try to befriend all of them. She is an actress and an immersive theater producer. And it is so inspirational the way that she has been through so much and she uses that for her art. She has her own production company called Catnip Productions and you can also find her performing at Elsewhere at the Madcap Hotel and other places around Hollywood. So without further ado, please enjoy. Welcome back to Crying Behind Sunglasses. Today, uh, we have a special guest who is a good friend of mine. We became friends during the pandemic, which is kind of wild because (laughs) I feel like there haven't been a lot of new friendships that have blossomed out of this time, but it's been really fun. And um, I like to joke around that I always try to keep track of all the different Katie's and comedy. And (laughs) so this is definitely (laughs) one of those. Uh, You can see her 
at elsewhere at the Madcap Hotel. And she also has a lot of interactive theater through her um, company called Catnip Productions. Please welcome Katie Foley. Hello. How are you today? Oh man, I'm not gonna lie, I'm really tired today. I have chronic fatigue and I've been dealing with it for 17 years and today is like one of my bad days. But at least now I know what it is. So that's great because for years I was just a mystery about why am I tired a lot of days, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to do, like, because I always do with my guests, like, a little a little check-in. And actually, I feel like maybe before we even get into that, we should just yeah. take a breath. Because Let's I feel it. like we're recording right now. It's, like, the end of the day. I don't know about you. I've been running around all day just getting things done. So... Let's just take a breath. Let's breathe okay. in, like everybody together, even the listeners who are listening to this, like breathe in and out. Yes. Okay. I needed that. I don't know if you needed that. I needed that, that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so chronic fatigue syndrome. I don't know. I don't think we've covered this on the show. So this is exciting for me. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not exciting that you have it, obviously. <laughs> it's okay. not I'm, what I meant. I'm actually excited that I know what it is now. Like, for years, I was just like, I just don't sleep well, you know? Um, when So, you said 17 years. So, yes. how recently did you find out what it actually was? A couple, maybe two months ago. Oh, so this is all new. Brand okay. new. Yeah. Okay. And so... I guess, like, I obviously you can't sum up 17 years into a tiny podcast, but when did you first notice that this was a problem? Because I feel like as people, yeah. it's normal to have days where you're tired, right? Right. So, like, how can you tell the difference between that versus uh, an actual problem? That's really interesting you said that um, because there is very much – a difference between days when I just know that I haven't gotten enough sleep mm-hmm. and days that I can tell, oh, no, I got enough sleep, but, you know, I have this virus in my body that is preventing me from feeling completely awake. Um, and I can tell it's because, like, I'm really irritable and I, I'm very sleepy behind my eyes and my mm-hmm. body is kind of sore. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah. And then, you know, when I'm, and I know that sounds kind of like, well, okay, what's the difference between that and just being exhausted? I don't know. I can just, I can just physically feel it when I'm like, you know, I haven't gotten enough sleep versus when it's just this chronic fatigue, you know? Yeah. No, it sounds like there's a whole combination of sy- symptoms. It's not yes. just feeling a general sense of, I need to take a nap. It's there's, exactly there's, there's pain and there's other things happening. That's really interesting. Yeah. Cause I think my mom uh, dealt with that a lot when I was a kid for some reason, mm-hmm. but I never really learned about it because I was just a little bratty kid who was like, well, guess my mom has a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my mom um, and my mom and my dad both deal with sleep problems, but they're totally different. So that was like another thing where it was like, what's going on with me? Because my mom deals with insomnia, but it's mm-hmm. not from, um, you know, any kind of health issue. She just has insomnia. Well, maybe it is, but we don't know what, you know, is the root. Um, I think she's just really stressed out and that's what causes it. And then my dad has sleep apnea. So, you know, I, I always thought, well, maybe it's sleep apnea, 
So I did go through and like do all the tests and have you the, did a you know, sleep test. Yes. Okay. At home with the tubes connected to me and the little machine. And then, uh, and then they said, Oh, I think you do lose oxygen at night. So we're going to actually have you go into the lab. This is right before COVID happened. It's like very surreal. Even. Wait, tell me about, yeah. like, walk me through what it's like to go to a sleep lab because, uh, like I'm, I'm a pretty healthy sleeper, yeah. but when my anxiety kicks in, uh, I can be up until three or four in the morning sure. and I've never really had, it's not chronic. Right. So I've never felt the need to go to a sleep lab, but I'm very curious because I feel like in a lab, anyone would have a problem falling asleep. Right. <laughs> like right. how does that all go? So, so I know you think sleep lab, you think you're literally like walking into, you know, a sci- I don't know, a science lab or something. No, it literally looks like, I don't know, like a best Western or something oh, when you okay. walk in, like, <laughs> like a motel kind of, like, yeah, it looks like a motel, you know, and they have like a couple of rooms and everything is just set up to be like as comfortable as possible. No windows so that, you know, it obstructs your sleep, um, because they have you do a thing where you sleep for six hours initially, mm-hmm. like you go really late and then you sleep for six hours and then they wake you up and then you're supposed to, it's, it's something like you're up for maybe an hour and a half and then they have you sleep for another 30 minutes and then you're up and then you do that for basically almost 24 hours. So oh. yeah. Okay. Wait, sorry. Okay. So that's why there's no windows because they're just yes. randomly getting you to sleep. Uh, huh. But yes. After a while, wouldn't you just not be sleepy anymore? <laughs> oh yeah, and they said that they were like, they're like, if you can't fall asleep, it's fine. Because actually, yeah, really for me, like after that initial six-hour block, because I, because my body just knew that was night, uh-huh. I really couldn't sleep for the, you know, the other thirty-minute blocks. I think I did fell asleep once because I'm just not a napper. I just, I never, even before I had this. Epstein Barr virus. I had never napped, so right. it wasn't natural for my body. Windows or no windows, like my body knew, you know, what time it was. So, um, yeah. So uh, I watched a lot of Netflix that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. They let you have a TV. The yes. way you were describing it, like even though you said that it was a Best Western, I was also like, well, if they're trying to remove distractions, maybe there's right. no television. But yeah, there was a TV. Okay, yeah. Good. good. Yeah. <laughs> and so after that, what did they find? So they said, oh, they called. It was so funny because they called me like a month later with the results. And they were like, we have great news. You're perfectly fine. And I was like, that is the worst news ever because I'm still, I still wake up at least three days out of the week exhausted. Right. Um, right. So I just, I got to kind of my wits end during COVID because it was, I couldn't blame it on work. You know, I I used to blame it on like, I felt like it came in my early twenties and it came right when I graduated college. And I just thought it was this thing of like, you know, your bot, like your brain is like telling you, you need to, even if you haven't slept long enough, you need to get out of bed and like, you know, go, go, go. That's really what I thought for years was the source. I thought it was coming from some kind of mental, I don't know, strain, mental, like, you know, push or whatever. Yeah, because um, it does motivation. wear you, it, it, like stress does wear you out, even if you're yes. not actually moving your body. Uh, yes. Those elevated levels of cortisol, elevated heart rate, whatever, like that's going to wear you out for sure. But 
it's interesting that COVID kind of presented an opportunity where you've you've gotten rid of all of the other variables. Right. And all of a sudden you're just alone at well not alone. You have your your lovely fiance, but you know, <laughs> you're you're at home and not leaving and not going out to work and now you've got nothing else to blame it on except for exactly. like medical mysteries. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So uh, another, I befriended a, another immersive um, producer during the pandemic, uh, and his wife happens to be a nurse, and she suffers from the same virus. And I remember, I used to work at an immersive nightclub called Cloak and Dagger as a performer, and mm -hmm. I remember one night describing my symptoms to a, a girl there, and she said, oh... Uh, you know, did you ever have mono? And I said, yeah, I had Epstein-Barr virus when I was in high school. She goes, that's what it is. And when I would bring it up to other people, they were just like, that's ridiculous. You know, that's not what's, what's going on, da, da, da. And I don't know why I listened to them, but it always stuck in my mind of like, could that be it? And then turns out after I talked to the nurse, I got tested and I still very much have it in my body. So it's a thing where I really am not supposed to have, I, I have to be on a very kind of strict diet to restrain it. I can't have sugar. I can't have gluten. But at least now I know what it is, you know? So, um, so, so the, so the treatment is you have to be on a certain diet. Are you taking anything or is it just, yeah. okay. You and then there's supplements well. you have to take too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, I'm so happy for you that you finally have an answer. That is yes. really good because I can't imagine how frustrating it is for such a long time to be going to medical professionals or even these other people you talk to anecdotally who are just dismissing you. And that's exactly. got to feel, I mean, how does that feel? It's really frustrating, you know? Um, I mean, especially like when I was told I was fine. It's like, I'm not fine. This is just something, unfortunately, that is so obscure. Like so few people have this. You know, people normally have mono, which is just the stomach symptoms. Epstein-Barr is such a, you know, is more, is more rare. So a lot of medical professionals don't know about it. So they don't know what to do with it, mm -hmm. you know? So that was, so that was frustrating, you know, year. And I'm a very active person. I'm a workaholic and, um, I'm, you know, I'm also like a literally an active person. I, I'm a marathon runner, you know, my workout is is kind of like church to me, like working out. Yes, is like I've noticed that. Yeah, I love it. Working out is my therapy, you know, it's my everything. And so having this thing holding you back, you know, like holding you back from being able to fulfill your, you know, potential to feel, you know, well, to feel normal, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very frustrating. So, but at least now I know what it is. So yeah, I'm thankful yeah. for that. And you have tools to be able to help you to to manage it, you yeah. know? So that's that's really awesome. And um, so you touched a little bit on this and I wanted to like bring it up a little bit is the, the immersive stuff. So yes. um, for those of you who are getting to know Katie, uh, she does immersive theater. Uh, can you explain to us what that, what, what that involves? Yes. And uh, how you got into that? Of course. So immersive theaters, it, it's, it's funny because for, I did it for two years and I didn't even know what it was called. And, you know, to my defense, it really didn't have a name for like, for multiple years. Um, 
or maybe it did, but it wasn't wide known. But basically, I was cast in a show that was an immersive Kurt Cobain um, experience where, like, basically, it was kind of based off of that documentary montage of Heck House. So we recreated his childhood and people were able to walk through. And that was my first taste of immersive theater. Um, That's really interesting. Were Were you... I was going to ask you if you were playing Courtney Love, but you just said that it was his childhood. So I guess she wasn't in the picture yet. She was. It was like, I shouldn't say just childhood. It was like his whole life. But uh, I was actually playing a girl that he dealt with in high school. Oh, interesting. Um, Yeah. So that was really, really, really cool. That was my first little dabble in immersive theater. And then uh, a friend of mine, uh, maybe, yeah, literally a year later, asked me to fill in for her at a nightclub and didn't really tell me what I was doing. And I don't know, I just took a leap of faith and, and did it. And then it turned out that one of my high school friends was also doing it and it turned out to be Cloak and Dagger. And I was a performer there for three years. And what were you doing there? What was your role? So I can't really talk about it. Okay, but sorry. Essentially, <laughs> no, it's fine because I signed an NDA. But essentially... Like generally... Generally, it was a nightclub that had immersive elements. So they would, so they had these guides that would bring people down to experience these immersive performances in oh, different cool. parts of the club. Yeah, I did a similar job and did not sign an NDA, so I will share. Yes, Just so the audience gets maybe a little picture. I don't know. Sure. Uh, I worked at No Vacancy, which might be run by similar people. Uh, yes, and. I was there for about six months, and the the like the theme of that place is that it's like a haunted, old timey prohibition era hotel, and so the guests will go in, and uh, there's a long hallway, and the one door that actually works, you go into there, and it's this bedroom, and depending on the night, it might be me. I think I was only there one or two nights a week. But there's a girl who's on the bed, and you're like, oh my god, what did I walk into, you know? And so my job was basically to greet people, give this long monologue about how I'm the madam of the establishment, <laughs> and I'm welcoming them in. And um, yeah, I was like in lingerie, not fully naked, not a stripper, let's not get it twisted. <laughs> not there's anything wrong with strippers, but just, just to be clear. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> although it was interesting, I will say, the... Um, about half of the people, maybe a little less than half, were tourists who didn't speak English. And uh-huh. I remember that was difficult because sometimes yep. people would open the door and scream yep. when they saw me and then run away. And I had to like try and explain to them. Or they would think I was a prostitute. And I'd be like, no, that's not what I'm doing here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I remember I would, I would do this whole speech and then I would press a button. And the, like, bed would move out of the way and there were stairs for people to enter the establishment. So now you're doing your own immersive theater. Yes. Uh, that's, that's so awesome. So, and you're, you've been able to do it during COVID. I know that you had some, like, things where you would send whiskey to people's houses and they could do a whiskey tasting while they're watching yes. you do a Western or just really interesting interactive things like that. And what is it that draws you to that work? So basically, while I was doing Cloak and Dagger, I got cast into an immersive show with uh, Darren Lynn Bousman, who uh, directed Saw. And he really, that show really inspired me because, oh, because um, Cloak and Dagger was kind of like 
you know, a taste of immersive theater. What Darren was doing was full on immersive and a, a crazy immersive event. And we were doing the show called Theater Macabre and or Theater Macabre. Um, and he really taught me what the ropes were. And I come from an improv and sketch background, which actually improv really lends itself to immersive theater because, you know, your scene partner is your audience. So you do, so for most shows, you have a script, but you are constantly improvising even within the script, even within the framework, because your scene partner doesn't have any lines, you know? So you have to adjust and Well, be your present. scene partner is an audience member. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you never know what's gonna happen, which is so exciting about immersive theater. I mean, it, it almost is like, almost like film in that way, you know? It's like, it's very like in the moment um, and take after take. So I wanted to marry, there's so many horror experiences. There's so many like dark experiences in immersive theater. I really wanted to marry my experience in sketch comedy with immersive theater. So I started creating uh, experiences that were kind of like Tony and Tina's wedding, but Eve, but taking it to a next level where like the show starts as soon as the audience members buy the ticket, you yeah. know, we're already interacting with them, whether it's depending on the show, whether it's by email, you know, snail mail, we're dropping something off to their house. We're doing mm -hmm. a scene for them. Uh, they have to cut or, you know, we had a show over the pandemic where they had to go to a bar to like, and they did like a scene before they even did the virtual show. So it really is like very hands-on and, and world building. What is the craziest incident that you've had with like an audience member either visiting you at the Madcap Hotel or uh, coming to one of these plays? Or is there anything that you can think of where you were just, I don't know, just either memorable or yeah. weird? At Cloak, there was a girl who just was screaming the whole time. And that was just, she just would not, she came down and she just would not stop screaming. And that's very memorable <laughs> to me. We couldn't even do what we were doing because she was just screaming so much. Uh -huh. uh, so that was pretty memorable. Billy Zane came to, uh, I was working at doing the immersive pre-show for Rock of Ages and mm -hmm. I was such a huge Titanic fan that I was such a dork. So that was pretty memorable. I feel like I couldn't even stay in character. Um, yeah, I love Titanic. Show, yeah, totally. <laughs> as far as my shows that I've produced, uh, the person shall remain nameless, but we, we produced a, an immersive bachelor bachelorette show called best night ever the whole thing took place in a limo for hollywood fringe 2019 and one of the characters was named judy and she was a blow-up doll in the guy's limo <laughs> and someone who shall remain remain nameless full-on was like making out with the blow-up blow-up doll uh and the, per the, the and the blow-up doll is a person but blow-up doll is a person yeah, yeah. okay yeah. wow yeah. Yeah. And I'm guessing that she was consenting to this. I guess she was. Yeah. She was into I mean, it? I guess she was into it. Yeah. So, and he didn't end up, it's funny though, because he didn't even end up taking her home. Another audience member ended up taking her home after the run. An audience member actually who's got like a ton of television credits. My fiance, who was also in the show, was like a big fan of his. He ended up taking Judy home. So... And I paid for Judy. I didn't even get to take Judy home. Oh, well. But <laughs> Judy was a hot ticket. <laughs> That's really too bad, you know? Yeah. Actually, I have a funny story. 
I worked for a company called Drunken Devil. It's a wonderful company, um, Matt Dorado. And we did this private show for, I think it was G4, the video game company. Mm-hmm. And we were, basically it was their office Christmas party. And we came in, they hired us to be, to, you know, be interactive characters in this office Christmas party. But they didn't, and it, we were like playing these like 1950s workers from this yeah. office that were like feuding. Yeah. But they didn't tell the workers that we were coming and not oh, everyone necessarily <laughs> They, so it was, so it was kind so, of like you're you're uh, undercover. Yes, it kind of was, but it was just so funny because we were trying to do our bits in front of people mm. or like our interactions, and no, like no one was having it. Everyone just wanted to get slammed, you know, get you know, slashed at their uh, at their uh, their <laughs> office Christmas party. listening to this podcast, chances are you are looking for better ways to take care of your mental health. And I am so happy to say that I am here to help you with that. And this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, which means that I can actually give you a little bit of a deal if you're looking for online counseling. So what is BetterHelp? It is, in my opinion, the best online provider of counseling. You can find a real, actual trained therapist who can help you with whatever your problems are. And what I love about it too is that when you sign up, you take a quiz and they ask you about what kind of therapist you're looking for, what gender, what age, what are you dealing with? Is it OCD, anxiety, depression? They even have couples therapy too. And then they will match you with a therapist that is perfectly suited to your needs. And once you are talking to that therapist, you can use text, video, or messaging, chat, you name it. It's so much better than traditional therapy because you really have the freedom to choose how you want to engage with your therapist. And you can also switch therapists at any time without any extra charge. So I have a special offer for my sunnies where you can get 10% off your first month if you go to betterhelp.com slash cryingbehindpod. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash cryingbehindpod. With like mental health stuff, I like to think of this like a salad bar there are so many different things that all of us could be going through at any given time, uh, whether that's like depression, anxiety, OCD, uh, ADD, you name it, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I think of it as a salad bar because I'm like, you know, there might be a combo. It might be that you're just having one plate full of one thing. Do you have a plate at this salad bar? Are you taking any of these things or are we mainly just dealing with the chronic fatigue? <laughs> Oh yeah. No, I mean, mainly obviously dealing with the chronic fatigue, but actually I'm in like a really mental, mental health wise, I'm in a really good place in my life because I've learned to embrace the things that were hindering me before, you know, like I'm now in a place where I am grateful that I've dealt with anxiety. I'm grateful that I've dealt with ADD, that I've dealt with depression, you know, uh, I had, you know, eating disorders growing up. All of these things, you know, I've, I've been a little OCD, all of these things, learning disability, I'm, I'm actually really grateful for because as a creator, I feel like I've now walked so many, been in so many shoes mm-hmm. that I just try to take 
all those experiences and put it back. I write, so I try to put it back in my writing, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to before, you know, I would let it hinder me, you know? Yes. Um, and I think that's like such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful thing about growing up. It's like, you just learn how to cope, you know, because coping yes. really is, you know, how you deal and how you whatever, you know, yeah. uh, grow, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that you're you're so strong and you have such a positive attitude that it's like a lot of times people will look at that and they don't know what you've been through to get there. And so that's like a really great reminder that even people who look like they got their shit together, like, yeah, right. she's, yes, you have your shit together. And there, the reason for that is that you've gone through all these other things and you've learned from them and putting it into um, your creativity, like this is a really healthy way of <laughs> dealing with it. Uh, I didn't realize like, so the learning disabilities, how, how did that come up for you when you were a kid? And did that force you to like look at school in a different way? Did you have to take special classes oh, or anything? Yeah, it was a nightmare. It was, so my parents sent me to a really rigorous math and science school, K through 12. I, I hated it. Mm-hmm. I, I I still think it was, it was just so miserable. And I had a learning disability and their method of, you know, trying to, I don't know, fix me was through intimidation. Like they would just make me feel really bad about myself. That this I was the teachers. Yeah. That okay. I was like falling behind, you know, huh. I was, yeah, I was, I had to, you know, when kids got to go out and do after school activities and play sports I had to go to a tutor, you know, just to, to like stay ahead. And it really, it was just, it was, I knew that I, and then I would have to, they would put me back in certain classes. Not, not that I, I never had to like repeat a grade. I was on academic probation. I never had to luckily repeat a grade, but they did put me in like a slower math course. And I'm like, math is like my forte. So it was very frustrating for me because I knew I needed to be in an advanced math class but because of learning disability, they put me back. So I actually had to teach myself a math course. I didn't have to, but I chose to over the summer so I can get into AP Calc, wow. you know? So it was a lot of like, it was, it was rough, you know? And then dealing with, you know, the normal issues that you have going through like middle school. With kids. Uh, kids are so with mean. Kids. Yes. It was really, really, really rough. But now, I don't know, now I'm grateful for it because, you know, just kind of, it's it's given me such a thick skin, especially coming out here and, you know, being in the business. Like Yeah. And you, you grew know. up in Chicago, right? Yes. With the deep dish pizza and everything. Oh, I love deep dish pizza. We're going back next month and like, that's the first thing we're going to do. Ooh, that's amazing. I've actually never been to Chicago. I think I went once when I was like two years old, but I don't count that. I think that now I'm an adult and once things are slightly more open, I'll find a reason to get out there. I mean, it's a great town for comedy, right? It really is. Yeah. It really, that actually, that saved me because I was so depressed in high school, especially dealing with, you know, the learning disability stuff and just being stuck at the same school that I didn't want to be at. Second City, I started training at Second City when I was 14 and that saved me. That that got me through high school. 
just having that class on Saturday, having those friends and those relationships that I developed that are relationships that have carried through, you know, to this day that helped me out. And then just also learning those skills, you know, they helped me in immersive theater, they helped me in auditions, they helped me in writing. So Second City saved me and I'm very, very grateful for it. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Yeah. I find that uh, I feel like a lot of people get into comedy or uh, into art because like you said, you don't fit in at your school and you're not finding your people. And, you know, all of us weirdos, we all just we all just flock to the theater. Yes. (laughs) That's just like that's 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 our place for the people that don't have a place, I guess. Exactly. Make yeah. people that make you your your crazy feel normal, you know. Yeah, yeah, like that cliche quote is um, like Alice in Wonderland: "The only ones for me are the mad ones." Yes, and I, I find that to be true. I'm not really interested in quote unquote normal people. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, so now you're living with your beautiful fiance and your dogs. Mm-hmm. out in marina um you just moved how are you liking it because you were living in hollywood before now you're by the yeah. ocean how is this environment change going for you so it was uh it was very very rough in the beginning only because i lived in my home in hollywood for 10 years i felt like it literally was a part of me you mm-hmm. know and so and I don't do well with change in general, even though Marina was like my dream neighborhood. I've lived here before I lived here 11 years ago. It was always a goal to get back here. It was, uh, it was rough living out of boxes and be, just feeling like, did you make the right decision? You know, that place was a part of you, you know, as crazy as that sounds, it's like American horror story. <laughs> <laughs> Like I would, you know, I like maybe two days after we moved in, I went to work and I was just bawling, you know, and, and just like, get it together, Katie. Uh, luckily I was able, luckily with acting, you just, you know, you use it like that, that you got to use what you're feeling in the moment. Um, cause you are enough, but, um, but it really with all of that said, now that we're more settled, I am so happy. I'm, oh I'm just a always been a person who loves the water and there's so much water here and it just feels so much safer and it's just cool and it's like a great change and it's been really fun to as i said i lived in my place for 10 years my fiance moved into that place three years ago so he had to kind of come into my space and it's been really fun to build a space with him together Um, Yeah, which is what we've been doing. Yeah, I'm sure that he loves that, too, because it's like he gets to contribute. You get to contribute. And it's something that you can say, oh, it's not mine. It's not yours. It's ours. This is our home. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's so nice. And just having, you know, we have a view of the marina from our balcony and being able to, you know, sit out in the morning and drink coffee and see it or, you know, out at night and drink a glass of wine. It's so nice. And for the dogs too, like we have an older dog, Oscar, who um, our old place was two levels and he could not get up and down the stairs anymore, you know, mm-hmm. so he's really enjoying that and it's a lot cooler for him, it's a lot cooler in the marina in general, you know, so uh, it's been, it's been wonderful. Yeah, yeah, and being by the water, like um, I'm, 
I'm really into that. Like if I need to feel better, just going by the ocean and just sitting there, just looking at it Mm -hmm. even is, is so calming. It Uh, is. Do you have, do you have any sort of morning routine or any stuff that you do to get your head in the right space if you have a big day? Yeah, definitely. Well, I realized, especially with my chronic fatigue, uh, I need a, a glass of cold brew literally at my bedside. I, at the old place, I had a little mini fridge. I need that to get me out of bed. Not that I get stuck in bed, but it just helps. Mm-hmm. So I have my coffee uh, by my bedside, uh, drink that. And then and then I always do, well, I take my dogs out, obviously. But then after I take my dogs out, I do a workout every morning, uh, almost every morning. And just fluctuates day to day. During the pandemic, I started creating uh, high intensity interval trainings and Tabatas for my friends and I via Zoom. So now that we live in a place with a gym, I do that here. So I either do a workout like that, which is you know very cross training, sure. sure we use different parts of the body, uh, either using um, you know body weight or using equipment, or I'll go for a run around the marina or uh, do hot yoga, uh, cycling. We have a pool here, so I go swimming sometimes. Uh, so, so workout is really, it's really what gets me focused for my day. Any excess energy, anything I don't need, it just funnels it out so that, you know, when I'm done, I can just, you know, go and tackle on my day. Yeah. And how do you get the discipline to work out so much? That is, that, that is what I would like to know as someone who, uh, like I, I'm lucky if I work out three times in a week. Yeah. And, and by workout, I mean, I guess I used to go to classes. I used to go, sure. but ever since COVID hit, I just don't feel comfortable, even though like, I know you can go there and wear a mask. It's just, I'm not there Different. yet. Uh, so I've been doing videos at home, but I cannot yeah. get myself to do more than like a 15 or 30 minute video, uh, or maybe do a little elliptical, but I can't get in that like right. getting up an hour earlier thing. Yes. What, well, how do we do this? The videos are hard. That's very hard to motivate yourself. I was having a hard time too, especially with, I missed, yoga was the big thing that I was missing during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Doing yoga videos is not like being in class. No. So the, the videos are hard. Really what motivated me was just, I would create Zoom workouts with my friends and my friends would motivate me because they're like, okay, what are we doing tomorrow? You know, like- Someone's holding you plan. accountable. Exactly. We were holding mm-hmm. each other accountable. So that helps. And then, and then just, I don't know. I mean, this is like one of those things where it's like, it's not very helpful, but I am just addicted to working out. Not that I'm one of those people who works out all day. It really is coming from a place of like, I need to do this for my mental health. Mm-hmm. I need, I have a lot of energy, even with the chronic fatigue, a lot of mental energy. I need to do this for my mental health almost every day, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so I think that's that, not like, very helpful. <laughs> no, it is. All of that is helpful. What I'm hearing, which is like definitely advice that people can apply, I can apply, is yeah. kind of like, okay, how can you find someone to hold you accountable even yes. if you don't feel like leaving your house to go to a class? Because uh, I used to have class pass and do all that, and that was super fun for me. So yes. I've been, it's been hard for me to like change it up. Uh, and then also the thinking about the benefits of it beyond just something that is 
cosmetic or superficial is going a little bit deeper, whether that's yeah. something for your mental health. Like you, you know that when you do this, the rest of the day, your anxiety level is going to be lower. You're going to feel better. And like, maybe that's a driving force as well. Exactly. And I think that uh, it's kind of like a diet, like cosmetics, it, it's not, it won't last that long. Your motivation to do it won't last that long. Mm-hmm. But if you, but if you're doing it for something deeper, mm-hmm. you know, that, that is, you can withstand that. Like you can, you know, wake up and be like, okay, I gotta do this because, you know, I'm really stressed out about X, Y, and Z that's going on in my life. And this is going to help me. I can't tell you how many times I've been in, you know, a class or I'm, you know, in, in the middle of a workout and I've actually problem solved. Don't get me wrong. I'm trying to be present like with what I'm doing. Sure. But I've actually problem solved issues that are going in my life, going on in my life that I w- wasn't calm enough to do before, you know, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. No, it's almost like shower thoughts. Yes, like, exactly. It's just you don't have your phone. You're just doing some other activity and you're in your body and breathing and it gives you space. Yes. It gives you that like that mental space that we don't always get. And yeah, I remember in the before times when I used to go to a lot of, I also used to do hot yoga uh, and all that kind of stuff. And it it was like, I would try, you know, at the beginning of the class, the instructor's always like, set your intention and like come back (laughs) to your intention. Uh, Sorry, yoga teachers out there. I love you all. I used to to be a yoga teacher, so I feel like I'm allowed to make fun of them. Uh, And so I think when I used to do those classes, it would be an internal struggle where I would like allow myself to do what, what you're talking about, like the problem solving of like, oh, wait, what should, what should I write in that email? Or like, yeah. what's that thing? Or da, da, da. And then, and then I'd be like, wait, Katie, no, 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 no. You got to think about your attention. You got to be here or like, <laughs> not think about anything. Um, but you know, that's what brains are meant to do. They're, they're like, as people, we are, we're problem solvers. Exactly. And uh, honestly, that's really funny. So that because that's, that's why I struggle with normal meditation. Uh huh. So uh, that's why I go more for like yoga, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's a moving meditation, I can do that. Or I love uh, uh, laughing yoga. That's also there's like a meditation in that. And it's just it's not as much about like, be still, you know, and and somehow, like, I don't know, restrain your mind like it feels like I'm being held captive when I'm meditating because I'm like I have to think about this you know like be my mind being clear and and my mind is like ah all over the place especially when you know circumstances like that no and and that's yeah that was something I struggled with when I started meditating which is why I do guided meditations because then Mm -hmm. someone else just tells me what to think about (laughs) and then I just listen to that uh because yeah, it is very intimidating, especially if you have an overactive mind. Yes. Uh, like us Katie's do. Yes. You know, it's just, it's a trait that we have. <laughs> and so I, I, I've done it before, but it's difficult where you literally just set a timer and it's quiet and you just yes. do it. But that is a difficult thing to do. What I would say to you, it, it doesn't sound like you want to get into meditation, but in case anyone else out there is like, my brain is too active to get into meditation is that part of the practice of it is catching yourself and being Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, there's a thought, cool, bye. 
you know, and not getting mad and getting into this drama with yourself. Yeah. Because that's so, what your brain was meant to do. It's a natural thing. Very normal. And like, even the person who is the best meditator in the world who has achieved nirvana, they still have thoughts that happen exactly. in their brain. It's not like there's some on off switch. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You can't turn your brain off. I think if anything, the deeper goal with meditation is being present, mm -hmm. you know, which is something, I mean, you just, I mean, even yesterday, my, one of my best friends is she came over and, uh, uh, she's planning a wedding and she actually got me the apartment. Uh, she is one of the property managers here and she couldn't even look up from her phone to look at the space, to look at the dinner, you know, we oh. were going to have to enjoy her drink because she was so, and I had to be like, you got to put your phone away, man. Like you got to look, be here, be here. You're clocked out of work. You know, all of these issues that are going to happen with the wedding are still, they're not going anywhere in two hours, you know, just be here, enjoy yourself. And maybe if you remove yourself from that situation, just temporarily, you can come back and be able to address it better because you're in a better frame of mind, you know? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's why like, yeah, meditation is not for everyone, but like you've, like, like you said, you can do yoga, you can do running, whatever. There's just something where... You're not on your phone and yeah. you're just with your body, you're with your breath, and you're just in the room that you're in. <laughs> yes, exactly. And yeah, that practice that I was talking about of bringing your mind back and bringing it back, that does, it helps with focus because if you keep, like you see the thought and you go, okay, no, 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 I'm going to focus on my breath, that mm -hmm. trains this little muscle of being able to focus. Yes. And so, yeah, I think it's great. I don't know. I. I'm always just telling people about meditation, but I think there are so many, like find your own version of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Find it. Yeah. It's not like, I think it can be super intimidating and there are so many other ways that you can figure out how to be in the present moment or even like, this happened to me a few weeks ago. I My phone broke and I was so relieved. I was so relieved <laughs> that I did not have to look at it. I was also on vacation. So let's be real. Like if I was... Right in the middle of a busy work week or something, maybe it would have not ended the same way. But I knew that like, I didn't actually have any real responsibilities or anyone to talk to other yep. than the people in front of me. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm not gonna get it fixed until I get back to LA. And that's just the way yeah. it is. I went through a that's whole airport with no phone. <laughs> oh man, I mean, that was the only challenge was just like, oh, okay. Like I didn't have a watch, so I didn't know what yep. time it was. <laughs> of course. <laughs> that was, I would say, yeah, that, the only thing that was annoying was like, oh, having to prove who I am or uh, knowing what time it was. But other than that, I honestly didn't miss it. I was so happy because I was like, oh, great. Like now I'm being forced to be in the present and time is moving more slowly. Like I actually have time for things because I'm not wasting random minutes here and there scrolling through stuff that I don't even need to look at like yep I'm it's just really funny you said this. that because uh I celebrated a birthday five years ago in Mexico and my phone drowned too I know you uh -huh. were in Mexico so I was without phone for a couple days too in Mexico and yeah it was it was awesome <laughs> it was I yeah. missed 
I miss taking my thing actually more than anything was I, cause I didn't really, you know, time. Okay. Yeah. Obviously getting to the airport. That's like, you know, yeah. a thing, but, um, but I miss taking pictures. So oh, if I yeah. just had a camera there, I was so, you know, actually the friend who came over for dinner last night, she was with me. Uh, I just kept having to ask her, Hey, can you take a picture of this? And she's like, really Katie, these birds hanging out on the side of the road. Like I had that I'm same thing. A picture of it. I kept telling Randy, I kept stealing his phone and I was like, just so you know, now that this has happened, your phone is now my camera. And that's yeah. just like, that's the way it's going to be. And like, sorry, not sorry. Luckily, yeah. he's a very patient man. I mean, he has to be to be with me. Uh, so <laughs> it was fine. But yeah, I agree with you. It was kind of annoying. Like, because if I ventured off on my own, I didn't have a camera with me. And, right. Uh but, you know, there's something to be said for just, like, seeing something and taking that mental picture. <laughs> there really there really is. Uh, my my fiancé and I, were, we were trying to unplug. We went to Big Bear for Valentine's Day, and uh-huh. our whole thing was, okay, no phones. And then he proposed to me, and we were like, okay, well, I guess that's off the table. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. You guys are so yeah. cute together. You too. Congratulations to you, too. Oh, my God. Yeah, we both got engaged. I Look know. at us. Look at us. Just a few engaged ladies just chatting. Uh, Uh, Okay, so before we go, because I didn't realize time is flying by. I'm having too much fun with you. I like to ask all of my guests. There is a segment I like to call Hot Tips. Hot Tips, Hot Tips, Hot Tips. So if you have a shitty day, uh, maybe you, uh, I don't know, you didn't get your workout in, you know, Mm -hmm. or you just totally blow it at an audition. I don't think you ever have. I think that you're perfect. But you oh, know, you're we, so we, sweet. We have those days. <laughs> I pay her to say this. <laughs> uh, and or whatever it is, maybe your your, your yeah. dogs are acting up. Uh, you get home and you want to turn your mood around. What is your hot tip? How do you get yourself back to where you want to be? Oh man, I have I have multiple things I do, and it just kind of depends on you know again. Uh, where I'm at, but uh, I, as a kid, especially, you know, going through stuff, I used to call my friends, Mm -hmm. you know, and just try to, again, remove myself from the situation, maybe then, but then also remove myself from the situation, put my attention on them to try to just, you know, again, like if I can remove myself from the situation, then I can come back, you know, and, and, I don't know, address the situation better, you know, yes. feel better about the situation, feel more normal about the situation, you know? So that, that was always, always a, a thing, but obviously you can't rely on someone picking up the phone. So, uh, other things that I do, I have two dogs. Uh, sometimes, honestly, I just will get on the floor and start playing with them. That really helps me. Yes. Because they, that's another way to get into the present is, you know, dogs don't have phones. Dogs yes. don't have jobs. I mean, most of them don't. Uh, I guess service dogs have jobs. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so they don't have anything to worry about. They're just there to love you. Yeah. Yeah. So that helps me too. And then, uh, you know, at my old place, I used to take like bubble baths and listen to Frank Sinatra. That was always helpful at this place. Still do a little bit of that, but we also have a hot tub. And, just, and the hot tub looks out to the marina. So that's... Very, very helpful. Uh, okay, fancy. Okay. <laughs> Wait, you have to she's come over. <laughs> this is incredible. No, I will. I will. Yeah. Uh, and I love that you've listened to Frank Sinatra. That is so 
sweet. What is your favorite song by him? Uh, Come Fly With Me. That's a classic. My favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And- it really, it just, uh, it makes me, th- I used to, I lived in New York for college and I was out there for four and a half years. And every time I listen to Frank Sinatra, it just transports me to that time, you know, being out there. So, uh, yeah, I, I love, I love that. I, I do I actually have one Frank Sinatra song that I've always hated and it's, uh, I, I've got you under my skin mm-hmm. because as a kid, I thought it reminded me of like invasion of the body snatchers. Like I was really literal. Oh, with you it. were taking all the lyrics very literally. You didn't understand. <laughs> <Very> literally. <laughs> okay. I just thought it was like the weirdest song. Um, mm-hmm. So I still to this day, I'm like, that song is not my favorite, but, um, but yeah, I, I love my, I love my bubble baths with Frank. So him and I go back. Yes, I'm going to have to re-listen to Under My Skin now and just as if I am like a six-year-old with no (laughs) concept of romance because that's really funny. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Very cool. Well, um, if people want to find you and your shows and uh, the various films that you've done, where, where can we follow you online? So uh, I'm, I can be followed on all platforms at uh, KT, letter KT, did what now? And then uh, as far as my production company goes, it's Catnip Company. So it's uh, instead of a C on Catnip, it's a K. Catnip with a K. Listen, that's correct. Catnip with a K. Exactly. And also you spell Katie with a Y, which is correct. I'm exactly. Catty. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. If if some if another telemarketer asks me if my name is pronounced caddy i'm gonna i'm gonna slap someone because and i'm sorry if you if your parents named you caddy out there i've never met anyone named caddy <laughs> who would name their child caddy that's not a name that like you know yeah anyway no absolutely <laughs> or I, I get i'll get kathy constantly and oh like, me too i hate kathy and i don't know if it just springs back from like the days of that you know, the, uh, the cartoon in the newspapers. <laughs> oh, well, I love her. Yeah. I think she's, she's great. great. <laughs> she's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's never, it's never been, it's never been my favorite version of Catherine. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, I understand that. Well, do you have any, any last words of wisdom before we go? Uh, anybody who might be struggling out there, uh, with various forms of, lockdown or re-entering society or anything? Oh man, I guess my only, my only advice is, uh, is, is just, it's something that William H. Macy said to our class uh, at NYU. It's like, you are enough, you know? And, and that mm-hmm. might mean that you need to get out of your own way to kind of realize that whether it's you're struggling with lockdown because, you know, you're a social butterfly, there are ways that you can you know, adjust and, 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 and do things and kind of make a, you know, a pandemic version of what you were doing. It might not be the same by any means, but, but you got to embrace those changes as hard as it can be. If that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And also just like, it's one of those things that you hear a lot, the whole, like you are enough thing, but it's, it's one thing to hear it. And it's another thing to actually internalize it. And uh, as actors and artists, a lot of times uh, we'll think like, oh, I need to put on a certain version of myself to please other people. And, you know, people, especially for actors, 
if you've been called into the audition room, you are enough. They asked you to be there. Yes, exactly. Like you don't have to do anything extra other than just being your fabulous self and doing a good job. That's it. Exactly. Full stop. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And find ways to, you know, the, the things you're struggling with, find ways to just embrace them, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. instead of fighting Don't against it. Use the, yeah, you know, you're, everyone has their issues. Don't, don't allow them to become hindrances because otherwise that's just, life is just miserable that way. You know, it really is. I agree 100%. Well, I really appreciate you coming on here and just sharing so many fun stories with us today. And exactly. uh, we'll have to have you on again. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to show you the marina sometime. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that it made you feel a little bit less weird about whatever brain stuff it is that you're going through. And if you want to find out more about Katie and what she is up to, <laughs> the other Katie, Katie Foley, uh, you can go to cryingbehindpod.com. That's where I put up all of our episode guides and more details of everything we talked about. And of course, we have links in the description so that you can follow her on her journey. And if you want to find me, I'm your host, Katie Dahl. And you can find me at Katie Dahl on all the things. Or if you want to see exclusive clips and quotes and different inspirational mental health things. You can check out our podcast at Crying Behind Pod. And until next time, stay cool, stay present, stay sunny. Yep, <laughs> <laughs>